Happy Father's Day, everyone. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, there is someone out there. How is everyone? Good. You seem a little bit tired, so I'm glad that we brought the jousting and the boxing today so that after service you can wake yourselves up just a little bit. Um, I have been away for, it seems like forever, we actually uh, just got back from a family vacation. We uh, went to England and Wales. Um, we have been saving for this trip uh, for five years. Um, <laughs> Taking five of us is very expensive, and so for the last five years, we've been putting money away, saving air miles, uh, selling the dogs, cats, whatever it takes to get there, and, um, and we finally got to go. At the middle of May, we went, and so I turned to the kids, and I said, listen, it's taken us five years to get back, so I'm, I'm thinking it probably will take us at least five years to get back again. So we are going to write a list of all the places you want to go to in England and Wales. And we are going to hit the ground running. We aren't stopping to just hang out at people's homes. We are going to go hard. Okay? So they're like, okay. So, so we wrote the list. And literally as we touched down at noon, we were on a train then at 2 o'clock going to the nearest town and we just started going like crazy. Forget the jet lag stuff. We were on a mission. And so we went to Buckingham Palace and we went to Abbey Road. Am I making you jealous yet? We saw Big Ben. Uh, we went to the Doctor Who Museum. Is there any Doctor Who fans, Whovians? Yeah, yeah. We went to the Doctor Who Museum. We went to a movie set. And one of the highlights was my son, Ethan, who was drumming today and was wearing his England soccer shirt, sorry, football shirt with pride. He was there. It was his 16th birthday. And for, oh, you haven't got to the exciting bit yet. You wait for this. For four months, I had kept it quiet. I had shut all social media down with regards to England soccer, football. Because on his birthday, England were playing at Wembley Stadium to send off the England team for the World Cup. So we kept it quiet that morning. As I wrote in his card, happy birthday. Tonight, we are going to Wembley Stadium. We're going to watch the England team play. And they beat Peru three to nothing. Now... There was a little bit of a hiccup yesterday in the World Cup because England lost against the Italians. But that's okay. We've got two more games. We will be back and the three Lions will roar again. None of you, none of you have got a clue what I just said, have you? Um, so there's a small tournament going on at the minute called the World Cup. Okay, it's a football tournament. Uh, there's like 300 million people watching every game, and I am not exaggerating. Uh, you should tune in. It's on like 15 channels at the minute. Anyway, so we went to England. That was one of the things of many things that we did, and we had an absolute blast in doing it. It was not a vacation. We are exhausted. It's, we've been back a week and a half, and we are still tired. But it was a great trip away. One of the things that we did, though, when we were in England was we went over the border to this little country called Wales. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. 
I know, not many people have. Um, sit down, sit down. Um, and we decided for about five days we were actually going to chill a little bit and stay in Wales. Wales is very picturesque, uh, mountains, a lot of sheep, a lot of sheep. Um, they make a good lamb dinner, but that's another story. Um, but we went to Wales and my uncle said, do you want to go down to the beach? So we're like, yeah, that'd be great. We'd like to go rock pooling, looking for crabs and starfish. And so I said, great, we'll go there. So then we get to the beach and we'd been there about an hour and a half. And they're like, hey, there's this derelict castle. You have got to see this derelict castle. It's right by this river. It's right by this river. Sorry, I'm getting flashbacks already. And so we get to the castle, and it's all derelict. There's loads of people there. And they said, you know what? There it is. This is this derelict castle, and then these beautiful stepping stones that go across the river. Please remember that image of how high the stones are above the water. We're going somewhere with this. So... My uncle said, let's drive around the other side of the river and then let's go across the stepping stones to the castle. It'll be great. We'll make memories. (laughs) We made memories. And I would like to show you what those memories were if you can just watch the guy in grey. And I'll show you it right now. Right in the middle there, holding Joy's hand. Now just watch this. Watch the castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is called pure British humour. Where I am trying to cross the river and as you can see, the river was a little bit uh, higher than normal and uh, I went sliding in. Here's my uncle. I got it on video. I'm glad he's in Brian's car. Oh, yeah. So that was... That was my little excursion into the river. I got a little wet. I think there's a picture of uh, how wet I actually got. Yeah. At least the head and the one shoulder wasn't wet, but everywhere else was. But as you go throughout Wales and England, you see a lot of these castles. Some are derelict, like what you just saw. Some are huge castles that are still working. The, the, you know, the queen goes there and the princes and they go there and you can actually tour around a lot of these castles. Castles were designed for two things. They were places of, secure, of safety and they were places of protection. Places of safety because a lot of families would live in the walls of the castle. There was safety there. But also there were places of protection. The ruler or the leader or the warrior would be in the castle and when the armies would start to advance, they would be able to go up on the walls and be able to look down on their enemies and fire at them. 
That's why there's a lot of rivers or moats that would go around the castle. So that there was a bit of a barrier. So when they were trying to get across to them, they could point the arrows or the, uh, the missiles that they were getting ready. And they could throw them at them and kill the enemy. Castles were very strategic, both in offense and defense. Today I want to talk about offense and defense, and especially being fathers. In fact, I want to uh, not go there with fathers. I actually want all the men to stand right now. All the men. Not fathers, all the men. I'm not going to explain the difference. If you're a man, stand. Okay. The men of this house, this morning we are going to be sharing some things that are for you. You see, if you want a strong, godly church, you have to have strong, godly men. Okay? Let me say that again. You want a strong church. If, if you want a strong church, you've got to have strong, godly men. Godly men have to make decisions that are different than ungodly men. And so today, we're going to be unpacking that. So I want you to turn your ears on, as we say in our house, and and pay a bit of attention. Because today, I feel there's going to be a bit of a a launching for the men of this house. There are going to be things that we are going to be planning in the months ahead for the men of this house. So that we can build stronger, godly men. That's not saying you're not strong, godly men now. But we can always improve, right? Right? We all can improve. So please take a seat. That's where we're going this morning. When you look in the Old Testament, you see often these these words. They called for the men of the tribe or they called for the men of the house to take a stand. To take a stand. It's over and over and over in Scripture. And so you may be saying, Andy, well, what makes a godly man? What makes a strong, godly man? Well, I want us to turn, if we can, to 1 Timothy 6.11. 1 Timothy 6.11. It should come up on the screen, but let me read it. And by the way, there are tons of Scriptures that you can use for what makes a godly man. But as reading this week, this is the one that really jumped out at me. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take a hold of the eternal life of which you have been called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So my point, first point, What makes a godly man? A godly man flees what's godless. It says in the scripture right there, but you, man of God, flee from all of this. What's he on about all of this? Flee from what? Well, you've got to go back a couple of chapters to really get the context of this verse. When you go back a couple of chapters and move into it from 5 and 6, it says this about fleeing. It talks about 
people having the love of money. Now, it doesn't say love to have money. Okay, there's a, there's a difference. It says the love of money. I have met many millionaires that I have chatted with over the years. And it looks like they've got everything. And yet they're as empty as anything. And they'll turn to you and they'll say, but I haven't got everything. Their love of money got them nowhere. And in this scripture it's saying you've got to flee from that whole, whole consciousness of wanting to go there. It doesn't say you can't have money. But to go after it and abandon everything else in its place, that's, that's not good. If you're putting your family aside, if you're putting your church aside, Wednesday night services, Sundays, if you're not meeting together with people because all you're doing is going after the dollar, then you may be in love of money. It also says in the scripture, if you want to be a godly man, you've got to flee from being gossipers and busybodies. That's in chapter 5, verse 13. Who are you hanging out with, men? Who, who are your armor bearers, the guys who are sharpening you? Because if you're getting around people and all you're doing is gossiping and talking about this and doing this and being busybodies, and to be honest, social media's really amped this up. Who's doing what? What's happening? Oh, did you hear about this person? Guys, don't get into it. Take a stand. Don't gossip. Don't, don't be busybodies. The scripture says, flee from it. It also says in verse 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 6, not to be self-indulgent. Not to be self-indulgent. I think, guys, we have a big problem with this. Uh, we have a big problem with this when no one's looking. Self-indulgence is what can I get for myself what can I do for myself and may sacrifice some other people along the way? There's some guidelines that I've put into my life that I want to share today, if that's okay. To try and eliminate the self-indulgent pattern that can come to a man, especially a man. Things like, at night, it's late at night, one of the things that I have done is whenever my wife says, I'm tired, I'm going to bed, I don't stay up. I'm either the first to bed or I follow my wife to bed. Why? You ask anyone who has battled with pornography who has battled with issues on the internet, who has battled with things on TV, anyone who battles with gaming all hours of the night, that self-indulgent thing can happen late at night when everyone's in bed. We want to flee from that. We want to be godly men. 
So when your wife goes to bed, you go to bed. You never know what might happen as well. But go to bed with your wife. Sorry, did I say that out loud? (laughs) Sorry. I don't go in elevators alone with someone of the opposite sex. I don't get in cars with someone of the opposite sex. This is a hard one because I had to to learn it pretty hard. I don't get my computer out at home now. Because if I got my computer out at home, even when the kids are around and Teresa's around, I will be absorbed with that for three hours. With all the emails I get from you lot, it's longer than three hours sometimes. But seriously, I don't get the computer out unless I'm doing something that is family-related. They're just some things that I've done to try and flee from some of the self-indulgent patterns that can happen, especially in a guy. When I came to America, something hit me very quickly. There was a mentality that I just didn't like and don't like to this day. I phrased it myself, and please forgive me if you like this guy, but I call it the John Wayne mentality. You, you, you know John Wayne, he's, he's the man's man, so, so to speak. But what I saw in him, I saw in a lot of people, especially men within the church, guys that would come home, sit down in the chair, remote in one hand, drink or dinner in the other hand, veg out, demanding the orders to the kids and to the wife. Until he passes out in the chair, goes to bed, gets up next morning, goes to work, comes home, sits down in the chair, watches the TV, got the remote. And this cycle of this man's man or what people think is a man. And it kills the family. It, it kills the dynamic within the family. What it also does, it teaches the next generation to not serve, but to be served. And for me, with, with kids, that is really important. Whatever I do, I want them to see so that they will mirror it in life. You see, Jesus was the ultimate man's man. We sang about it, Christ is enough. You want to be a man living today, a godly man living today, then follow Jesus. The ultimate aim for his life was to serve, not to be served. And so today, men, I want you to flee from some of this stuff and start serving, just like Jesus did. He served and then he pursued a relationship with humanity. And if you read this scripture again, it says about not only fleeing, but now pursue for these things. <clears throat> that means go after, run after. What does it say to go after? Go after righteousness. What's righteousness? Things that are right in God's eyes. So here's a bit of a test. Wherever you are at, whatever you are doing, men, and I know this can go to the women as well, but. We had Mother's Day a few weeks ago. so, But men, 
whatever you are doing. Imagine Christ is sitting right next to you. Because if he lives inside of us, he's with us anyway. I guarantee the channels that you go to on the TV will be different now. The sites that you go to on the internet will be different. The way you treat your wife will be different now. The way you treat your kids will be different. Because you're now coming as Christ would treat those things. It would be righteousness. You would be doing the right thing in the sight of God. Philippians 4, 8, it says this, Finally, brothers, he's addressing the men in the church. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What Paul is saying to Philippi is this. Listen, there's a lot of things going on. But your mind's got to be right. You've got to think about what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. Don't think about the alternatives. Think about these things. It also says in that scripture earlier in Timothy, to pursue Godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, greatness. You want to be a man of God? You you want to stand up for your family? You want to be a man of God in this church and in this community? Then you have got to flee the things of the world and you've got to pursue what God has laid out here. You've got to live As if Jesus is right there, day and night, because he is. We forget that sometimes, men. Because as you do that, guess who gets the benefits and the rewards? If you're living godly. If you're pursuing godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Not only will you get the rewards... Because you'll feel better about yourself and you'll feel like you're on the right track of living. But your wife and your kids and your family members will reap those rewards. They don't want to be around people that aren't godly. And if you're single here today, let me tell you something. If you want to... Now, this, is, this isn't like in Scripture. Okay? I mean, it is, but this is Andy King's like, take on it. If you're single, if you get this stuff down in in being godly, doing what's right, being gentle, kind, loving, that is what's attractive to a lady. You want to be a man's man and you want to find a godly wife, then be a godly man because godly women will go after godly men. Okay? I want to finish with this scripture. Don't be afraid of them. This is in Nehemiah 4.14. Don't be afraid of them. He's talking about the enemies coming against him. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Listen. 
and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. That's the challenge. If you put God first and have him on the throne, you haven't got to be afraid, men. You're not on your own in this battle. But if you put God first, listen, put God first and then fight for your brothers. That may be the guys that just stood, your spiritual brothers. That may be your physical brothers. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And I feel that's not just your home, that's your street. That's where you live. Fight to be godly. Flee from the the trash that the world's got to offer. And go and pursue the things of God. You will become a godly man. Didn't Andy King do a great job? Let's thank God for what he's shared with us this morning. You know, I can't add much to what he said, but I, I do want to just say a few things. You know, it was Edmund Burke who said on one occasion, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. And that is absolutely true when it comes to being a father, what it comes to um, happening in our homes and in our communities. You see, I believe that the world is not short of good men. I, I think there are plenty of good men that are around. I think there are plenty of good godly Christian men that are around. But the fact is that we become silent and we don't stand for what we believe and we don't fight for what we are absolutely sure is the right thing. And good men doing nothing means that the silent minority will now overcome and we will see bad things happening in our world. Things like that happened in East Peoria last night. When a guy goes into a bar and, and, and shoots his former wife and her, her boyfriend and then kills himself. Things like that happen when it is that good men don't do what they know to be good and right. And, and so we need to come as godly men of God and make decisions and say we are going to fight for our families, we are not going to let evil conquer. We're not going to let evil have its way. We're going to stand up and we're going to fight. You know, the fact is that men are demised and put down so often in, in sitcoms and movies and the like. It is that men are, are, are made out to be the nothings of the family very often and, and put down as fathers and grandfathers. Uh, and we find that we're in a generation that is looking for equality so much uh, and lifting up the woman's role so much that the men are now demised and put down uh, and seem to be nothing. But as godly men, it is time for us to see what the scriptures say and it's time to fight for our families, fight for our communities and fight for our nation so that we will see great things happening. So Andy and what he has shared here today has been so right and so uh, on in, in what we need to hear. You know, there was a prophet in the Old Testament named Micah, 
and, and this prophet Micah stood up uh, before men and he said this to them. He said, he has shown you, God has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? He says it's to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And those I outlined there for us is exactly what Andrew has talked about. The word justly, it means righteously. It means doing what is right in God's eyes. It's saying, I'm going to line my, my life up with the word of God and I'm going to do what is right according to God's word. The word mercy means unmerited love. So it means I'm going to do godly, I'm going to do what is right, and even if it is that you don't love me, even if it is that um, I let you down at times, and even if it is that I am in the place where I see that you let me down at times, and you don't go the way that I want you to go, I am not going to stop loving you. It is not something that's in my vocabulary that I'm going to quit on loving you as my wife, as my child, I am in this thing of unmerited love. You haven't got to deserve my love. You haven't got to do things to get my love. You haven't got to do things that's going to cause me to love you more. I couldn't love you more because I love you full stop. There's no conditions attached to it. I love you. And so he says mercy, and and he says, now you can only do that. You can only live righteously And you can only show mercy if you walk humbly with your God. Oh yeah, I want to tell you, I don't think that men have got a chance these days unless they're walking with God. You may feel that God has let you down. You may feel that God failed you somewhere along the line. You're going to see that he has not let you down, that he has not failed you, that he has stayed true. And you will look back and say, all the way, God has led me. The fact is that God is wanting to be at the center of your life. He wants you to walk with him. I do not believe that you can be the leader that you're called to be and the man that you are called to be unless you are walking with God and you are drawing on his power. Jesus once said to two men who felt rejected, two men that felt beat up, two men that had been pushed to the uh, sidelines, he said, I want you to follow me. And then he added these words, and I will make you. (laughs) How many of you know we're all in the making? And and Jesus says, I will make you. And so he's saying, if you will follow me, if you will put your trust in me, if you will now give me your whole life and heart, I will make you. Do you hear that, fathers? Do you hear that, men here today? Do you hear that, young men here today who are wondering what your future is all about? Your future is all about putting your life into the hands of God and saying, make me the man of God that you want me to be. See, Jesus knows how to make great men. Jesus knows what to do to make great husbands. He knows what to do to make great fathers. He knows what to do to make great grandfathers. And the fact is that he comes into our lives, and as we open more and more of our lives to him, he now begins to do things in our lives that make us what we could never be on our own. Now, before we close out here today, I I want to make an appeal to the men of this house 
And if you're visiting this house, I'm talking to you as well. The men of your house, your home, your community. My appeal is now that you won't quit. Now, I'm going to make a confession to you this morning. And I've really troubled over making this confession. I've really battled in even while I was sitting there. I was thinking, should I do this? Should I really tell people this? But I feel that I must tell you this. And the secret is this, that I'm a secret Southern Gospel singing fan. All right, all right, I know it's not cool, uh, and I know that I'm not trendy to say that, but I, I like Southern Gospel singing. Uh, you say it was something to do with my age, I just say you don't know what good music's like. So the thing is that um, I was listening to a group this week uh, called The Hot Family, and they were singing a song that says this, I've come too far to look back. <laughs> And, and for all you wondering about this song, they wouldn't let me put it on the screen, but I'll put it on Facebook this afternoon sometime. You can all see it, all right? Not even Letty will let me listen to it. I have to put headphones on at home because she's not into that singing either. Can I sell you something, Dad, this morning? Can I, I say to you, husbands, here this morning. Can I say to you, granddads, I, I, I want to tell you, you've come too far to go back. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, the fact is, I, I know that life is hard. You know, people say life is good. Life is not good. Only God is good. Life is hard. And, and there are challenges all along the way And I know that it would seem that it's easier to quit and run, that it would be easier to get out of this. It would be easier to find a new way. It would be easier to find a new woman. It would be easier to go and look for a new family. It would be easier in your mind to do all these things. Maybe that you feel you can't take it another day. You you feel that you've battled long and hard And it is that the frustration and the pain that you face every day is something that you just can't get over. And I know the temptation is there to sin, to just take away frustration. But the fact is this, it is that you need to stand up and fight. It's easier to give in than to fight for your family and to fight for the right paths. I know that times it's lonely and trying and difficult, but listen, you've come too far to look back. Now, you may be out there and say, Nay, John, I've only been married 12 months, (laughs) but it's still too far to look back. You've come too far to go back this morning, this morning we have these, these towels lying in the front with the scripture that An- Andrew uh, used from Nehemiah chapter 4, 14. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. You know what happens? People are more ready to throw in the towel these days than to 
pick up the towel of servanthood and to pick up the towel to now take my family and fight for my family and say, it is hard, it is difficult, but I want my, my wife to know, I want my kids to know, I, I want my future wife to know, I, I want them to know that I am going to fight for the family. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to hang in. I, I never, I'm not going to quit. I may have made mistakes. I may have messed up. I may have gone wrong here, there, and everywhere, but I'm not looking back. I'm still going to go on. I want you to watch a little clip from a, a video that um, will just bring us to a close here this morning. Just keep your eyes to the screen, if you will. I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as three men, and three men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live! Alright? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to train all the days from this day to that? For one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! You know, as I was praying about this morning, I, I just felt there would be people here that, um, that are, are men of God, but you are finding things really difficult. In fact, you've gone through stuff that you just, um, you don't know how you're going to get through even now. You're at the place of feeling that you're letting your family down that you've let this one down, that one down. You've got to a place where everything has been messed up so much that um, you, you just have felt like throwing in the towel and saying, I can't do this anymore. I, I want to challenge you to change your mind this morning. We, we want to give you a towel this morning, and we're going to challenge you to come and pick one up and say, I, I'm ready to fight for my family I'm ready to stand from this day on. I, I don't know what has happened in the past. I, I, I know there's been difficulties. I know there's been problems. I know you've gone through great storms. And, and, and there's been all sorts of happenings that have gone on. But this morning, we're starting brand new. This is a new day where we say, we're going to fight. We're going to fight for our marriages. We're going to fight for our kids. We're going to fight for our future and seeing this whole community turned around. See, because if you don't, I promise you that when you lie on your deathbed, 
and you're thinking back, you'll wish, you'll wish with all your heart that I'd fought a little bit more. I, I wish that I'd gone a little bit further. I wish that I'd strained a little bit harder. I wish, I wish I'd done that. I remember a pastor friend of mine back in Wales. There was a time where things were going really wrong with him and his daughter. And she got into the gothic scene. She was always dressed in black and had pins sticking out of her and all sorts of stuff, you know. She painted her bedroom black. But this guy, he was feeling a total failure as a pastor. Uh, he says, if I can't do it at home, I can't do it in the church. And he was feeling a total failure. But then God spoke to him about fighting. It was this scripture and says, yeah, you've got to fight. And so, and so he started doing something. Every day while his daughter was out of the house, he'd go into her bedroom and he'd walk around her bedroom saying, Satan! You're not having my daughter. I'm demanding that you give my daughter back. I am not letting her go. I'm not letting you have her. And I am this day making a mark in the sand that is saying, I'm fighting you for my daughter. I am standing in the gap for my daughter. You are not having my daughter. Day after day after day, month after month, he did it. And I'm here to tell you today that his daughter is now the wife of a pastor there in England because she was brought back to Jesus, rescued from sin, and totally turned around. Some men here today, and you've given up on your marriage. There's some here today, and you've been wondering where the future is going to take you. There's some here today that your kids are off the track, and you think you've messed up so badly. It's time to fight for your family. It's time to stand in the gap. It's time to say, I am going to fight for my family. I've got a challenge to young men and to old men here today. It will be that you'll stand in the gap for your spouse, that you'll stand in the gap for your kids, that you'll stand in the gap for your grandkids. I'm talking to every man that stood earlier, and I'm saying I'm challenging you right now, right now. You ought to be up on your feet coming to grab one of these towels and saying, I'm not throwing in the towel, I'm picking up the towel. And you need to do that. You need to do it. Wherever you are in the balcony, it's time for you to get up and come and say, I'm going to fight for my family. I'm not giving in on my family. Hey, don't leave the altar. Stay at the altar. If you're coming for a towel, stay at the altar. That's right. That's right. There's some single mums here today. It's a wonderful single mum over here. Stand up. She's a wonderful single mum. She went past me earlier in the service and I said, hey, you're a great mother and father. All right, there's guys still coming in, so let them in to get a towel, all right? And let me, let me say this, if you're a single mum, come on, come on. You, you get up and come, get a towel. 
and say, I'm going to fight for my family. If you're a single mom here today, you're saying, I'm fighting for my family. I may have to be a mother and a father, but I'm going to fight for my family. My family is going to be a godly family. We're going to stand in the gap. We're going to see victory happen. That's right. That's right. That's right. Remember the Lord who hasn't got a towel yet. All right. Come on, push through. Be a man, push through. Solid rock, I stand. We're standing, godly men and 